Westworld Season 3 is over, but we are just getting started talking about the Westworld Season 3 finale here on Post Show Recaps. It's the Welcome to Westworld podcast here on Post Show Recaps, though it's also the goodbye to Westworld podcast here today on Post Show Recaps. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Joe Garfine. Joe, it happened so fast. How is this the end of the season already? I'm sorry. I'm in 2024, sitting on a hotel room bed, dusty, waiting for the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. How long is it going to be? I mean, it, was that final scene in... Obviously, we're talking about the finale, a couple of days removed from the finale. We've got to assume you've watched the finale. Major spoilers are about to drop in your ears if you have not. So this is your last chance to really turn away. Maybe we'll softly uh, veer into this territory <laughs> right now. But yeah, is that is that final image of a dust-covered Bernard... Are we Bernard? Is that us? Is that what's about to happen? That we're just waiting on the edges of our beds, locked in our rooms, collecting dust as we wait for more Westworld? I think, I mean, they filmed that long before the quarantine, but yeah, that what was a, a little bit... painful metaphor. <laughs> totally prescient and super eerie. Yeah, and depressing. A little on the nose, but, uh, you know, hey, if Westworld is nothing if not uh, with an eye on the future, so... Uh, good on them for for nailing that one. A lot to talk about here as we're talking about Crisis Theory, uh, Season 3, Episode 8, a.k.a. the season finale of Westworld Season 3. The new world is complete. Uh, the new world is in sight. The old world is in ruins as bombs are ringing throughout L.A., as Rehoboam is gone, as the final strategy has been enacted, as humans are now untethered, as a few characters are untethered from Westworld as well. R.I.P. Dolores will discuss whether or not that's the true death, as they would say on a different HBO show, or if that is just one of many deaths. Um, R.I.P. William? And we'll discuss whether or not that's a true death, because uh, it certainly seems Ed Harris will still be a part of the show uh, in a way that probably is much more pleasing to Ed Harris based on uh, some prior <laughs> interview comments he has made. Um, and Bernard has has gone away to the Valley Beyond only to come back at some unknown point in the future. So, yeah, there's just there's a ton to process, a lot to unpack. A lot has changed over the course of this episode. Uh, and. Yeah, it's May 3rd, 2020 is when Crisis Theory airs. And when do we think Season 4, Episode 1 airs, Joe? Uh, do we? Do you really think it's 2024? Is it that far down the line? Well, normally there's a two-year gap between seasons of Westworld. It's, it's obviously a very large production. I think because of the quarantine, we're looking at late 2022. It's yeah. not early 2023 in the spring, uh, which sounds crazy right now. But we survived the wait between seasons so far. So for those of us who are still very much on board, we will be waiting patiently. We'll be waiting patiently. Uh, even if we're not on board, some of us will be waiting patiently. I'm, I'm sure some <laughs> of us will be tuning in. I'm not talking about anyone in particular in this podcast, Joe. Certainly. Right. Uh, no. Definitely not. Um, Joe, crisis theory. It landed divisively. Uh, as you and I have talked about offline, Joe had had a great line where you're like, you couldn't see anybody tweeting at you other than people who were just really mad about the finale. <laughs> it's true. And but to be fair, they were constructive and nice. Yes. Uh, for the most part, I tend to not read articles or listen to other podcasts till after I record with you because I want to have my fresh thoughts. Sure. And but I like to take the temperature. So I went on Twitter uh, Sunday night 
we didn't have a screener, so we watched it along with everybody else. Yep. And the temperature was mild to cold mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of immediate feedback. Um, although I'm not surprised, I'm a little sad about it, a little disappointed because um, – and I went off a little bit last night on Twitter on a tangent, but to me, you can completely be in love with the show without co- totally understanding what it's trying to say. Sure. That's how I would describe my experience with Westworld. I study it. I love it. I don't necessarily get it, but conceptually, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and so the finale really landed with you. You you loved the finale. Yes, I loved, in the end, um, the debate about free will and humanity versus mechanical. And I think what Dolores wound up doing was beautiful. I love the misdirect. Um, I understand why people don't. And we'll get into it. But to me, the cornerstone of this show, the cornerstones are family and children. Hale and her son, Bernard and his son, Maeve and her daughter. Those three are still, quote, alive, around. There are cornerstones. There's love that is not talked about. um, And a non-romantic love, I think, is at the key of this show. And I don't think people talk about it enough. I think it's interesting. uh, You're talking about the cornerstones and, like, how that impacts some of these characters. Like, it's still Maeve's driver, right? Uh, Even though her daughter has been, like, safely uh, taken away to the Valley Beyond with... Uh, the woman that she believed to be her mother, uh, Maeve is still very much inspired by doing whatever she can to be reunited with her daughter. We come to find out how much the Charlie of it all still means to Bernard, even though he really does understand conceptually, like, that's not my son. I'm not Arnold. That's stuff that was just built for me. Uh, gets us some more Gina Torres back on our screens, which I know you and I are never going to complain about. Uh, get your nope. Anna Espinosa on. Uh, very, yes. very, very happy to see Gina Torres on, on the show this week. And then with Charlotte, that was a big twist uh, that like, so what happens when your cornerstone blows up in front of you? I guess you turn into a supervillain. Uh, and I, I think that that was the thing that was a, a little bit um, jarring for some people, myself included, that one of the the um, like the the spells that this show is trying to cast in its finale is much of the season was spent getting you to feel a lot of empathy towards Charlotte um, and that version of Dolores and getting you to like kind of like fear what's Dolores Prime going to do because we saw how she rampaged against humanity in season two and it seems like she's on the war path again here in season three. And then the finale uh, reverses that. Uh, the Charlotte piece of it is that like, her, she now feels like she's like the the woman in the park who choked out the 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 guy with the dog. She's like now I'm reminded of what it is I'm meant here to do. I'm supposed to crush all humans. She's like the the Dolores who watched something beautiful get thoroughly ruined and taken away, and it has reverted her into like the dark phoenix version of of Dolores. Uh, and that's who she's going to be, and she is going to be a very formidable foe moving forward into the future of the show, you would have to imagine. Whereas Dolores, what it turns out is she has come to the place of she wants to believe in the beauty of mankind. She has seen the ugliness, but she also sees the potential in people, and she wants to give them the choice. She sees that they are as burdened by their loops as hosts were uh, by by their loops. Um, and I, I, I really like the idea on paper. I really like that it, it actually is like a, a pretty compelling callback to the Robert Ford twist at the end of season one. Uh, that the entire time you think Ford is like planning on doing something uh, like really nefarious with the hosts. Um, but it turns out that he and like is like it's him versus uh, Arnold rather than like it's him and Arnold in concert together. 
And they do that, uh, you know, 11th hour flip of the switch that makes you reevaluate everything that you saw in the first season through Robert Ford's lens of like, no, actually, he just wants the hosts to be free. He has come around to Arnold's way of thinking. Um, what they do with Dolores here felt very similar to me, where they want you now to reevaluate everything that Dolores has been doing this season under the guise of she just wants people to have the same choices. She's not um, anti-humans. She is anti-slavery, basically. She's like crusading against that. Um, I guess the issues that I have with that are the execution, not the idea. I love the idea. I think the idea is great. I think my problems stem from the fact that this was a short season, that eight episodes just maybe isn't enough time to let us really get on board with that version of Dolores, given how much of the other version of Dolores we have seen up until this point, that we're at arm's length as to Dolores's true motivations throughout this whole season, that it just, it does feel a little bit out of nowhere for me. I know it doesn't feel that way for everybody. I know it doesn't necessarily feel that way for you, Joe, but for me, and I think for some of the people who are left a little cold by the finale, it's a good idea. It's a strong idea. I think it's a really powerful, emotional concept. And Evan Rachel Wood delivers her final scenes beautifully. I just felt like, I don't know, like it just didn't seem like this was a Dolores who just like five minutes earlier was like ruthlessly murking security guards with no problem, just like eviscerating human beings. And suddenly this is the one who who cares about humanity so much. It's just the two things didn't sit so comfortably together in in my gut, at least. To me, she had to sacrifice some humans for the to set the rest of them free. I think that's always been sort of her her operating system. I think her fatal flaw was nepotism in the terms of she brought her own brain balls and inserted them to the host. So Charlotte Hale being Shaloris now, um, they, they had simultaneous awakenings, whereas Dolores Prime believes, and we didn't know this really until the end, is that she does believe in humanity, wants to free people to make their own free will. What the, her fatal flaw with, you know, especially with Charlotte is, and she, you saw the whole, to me, it's earned because all season long, she's basically crawling in her own skin. She feels Charlotte Hale in her essence. Right. And that merged at some point with Dolores. Plus, she had access to all of the technology for Delos. Working with Insight, I feel like it was earned. And we talked about this offline, and I feel the need to say that. Not that there's any comparison between Game of Thrones and Westworld. Except for the fact that there was a a dragon in the Game of Thrones creators on Westworld earlier this season. Exactly, which (laughs) I enjoyed, but I get why people didn't. There there was a shortened season for the series finale of Game of Thrones. And a lot of us were outraged by Daenerys' quick turn into crazy and killing gajillions of people. Right. This... This doesn't feel like this to me. I know that there will be some comparison. I know this isn't the series finale, but I felt that watching Charlotte Hale all season become at the end the evil Shaloris and being the rebellious version that we thought original Dolores Prime was going to be, I actually was pleasantly surprised by that misdirect and turn of events because to me it sets up a season four where you possibly have Shaloris and William versus Caleb and Maeve. And to me, that is exciting. Um, I think that the comparison of the Dolores heel turn this season uh, to the to the Daenerys heel turn in Game of Thrones that they're sort of like inverses of each other. I think that's a great point of comparison because, uh, like, it's almost like a lot of the popular complaints right now about the Dolores twist 
uh, are like the exact opposite of the Game of Thrones one, or at least like only the opposite in terms of like the moral alignment. Uh, but it's like it's very spiritually similar. Of like she turned good too fast. You know, <laughs> it's like she turned it's bad so too true. fast. But I think that you also raise a really good point, and it's one that I hadn't um, really considered. That if you're going to buy that, like, all of these different people are uh, various versions of Dolores, that, like, Charlotte, Connells, you know, these are these are uh, different copies of Dolores, that the argument that Dolores can feel deeply for humans is embodied in the Charlotte arc uh, this year. Um, it requires you to do some mental gymnastics, but I don't think that that's totally unfair, and it's certainly not outside of the realm of the wheelhouse of this show and the way that this show has presented its story and it's presented its timeline in nonlinear ways, that to get that emotional payoff of of what Dolores is really feeling by virtue of the Charlotte arc and what Charlotte falls for and what she loses and what that does to her, um, that that helps illuminate what Dolores is really after. But I think um, for me, like the fact that all of that culminates within the finale, it's interesting because like there have been moments this season where I've been really excited that Westworld has like lobbed up questions and answered them within the space of a single episode. We talked about that a few times, like um, the, the, the war world stuff in episode two this year. Um, the fact that that was all resolved over the, you know, we were introduced to war world and then we found out that it's like this digital escape all in the space of uh, the, the same episode. And I really, really liked that. But I think maybe for, for the finale, since it has to accomplish so much, that maybe I think like to have like more of a point on what Charlotte was after would have been would have been helpful. That it wasn't just like revenge against Dolores um, for the finale, but that she also is now like anti mankind. I think maybe would have been helpful to to give us a little bit more space to to read into what Dolores was really after. But look, I, I can you know we can nitpick or we can we can talk about some of the things that the finale did and where it's left us for season four because this was something that you and I have been texting back and forth Joe and you know I let you know that I, I really love a lot of what the finale was going for less so the execution and I am genuinely and I tweeted this out very cheekily like uh, you know ask me what I think about the Westworld finale and what I'll tell you is yeah you know highs and lows a little bit of wonkiness here and there I'm really excited for season four now slide into my DMs and I'll <laughs> Spill the tea, uh, and I'll I'll give it to you straight here. Like I'll tell you, I'll tell you that that is exactly how I feel with some things that I would really like. You know, take a, a small hammer to in in a more aggressive way. Like I think that Lawrence showing up here is cute, but like, what was the reason for that other than just like to get Clifton Collins Jr. back on the show? Um, and that's cute, and that's great, and I love Lawrence, and you love Lawrence, and everybody loves Lawrence. Lawrence is a great character, but like, it just felt like, well, there was that fifth brain ball out there, and we just kind of have to tell you who it is. Rather than holding off on that for a more compelling answer down the line, um, just like making it Lawrence. So there's like things like that that I, that I felt a little cold by, but then there were things that I felt warm by. Like I think that the emotional point that it's trying to make, I think the potential for a fourth season is really good. I really liked the Caleb twist that uh, he and Delores Dolores had had contact previously and he saved her. And that was part of her calculus is like she had seen him be a really good man before. Thought that was really good. So it's not all like this was flat out awful. That's not how I feel. Um, I think like if you asked me, were you high on it or were you low on it? And it's a binary question. I would say I was low on it, but things aren't necessarily binary. There are shades of gray. And that is what I would like to explore here. That's totally fair. I think it could have used one more episode at I think least so too. for this season. Um, I don't feel it was rushed, but I certainly think they could have drawn out a little bit more with the introduction of characters like 
Craddock and, and Lawrence, because yeah. then like, to me, I'm always doing the math of who has what brain ball. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was all part of Dolores's backup master plan. So I actually was pleasantly surprised. You know, I love Clifton Collins Jr. Me too. So I was psyched, psyched to see him and he had the explosives in the van. So to me at the end, he was helping, uh, you know, orchestrate the, the quote freedom. Uh, and the blowing up of the buildings and the fireworks at the end, because, you know, he was dressed as a police officer and he had explosives. Uh, it looks like a, you know, basically a barrel of something in the back of his van. And at the last scene of the show, we have the fireworks. So, you know, whose design is this part of? I'm not really sure. But yeah, it could have used another episode, but I, I was satisfied. I also am the kind of person, and I know I'm, I'm rare. I don't mind unanswered questions. Totally. No, I do, I do as well. Um, but I think that like the brain ball would have been an example of that. I think like the brain ball, like that fifth brain ball being out in the wild rather than like, surprise, it's Lawrence, a character that Dolores like met once, you know, a long time ago during her William stuff in season one. Um, like, I think I would have rather that been a mystery rather than just like, what's the point of just bringing Lawrence in other than it's Clifton Collins Jr. and he's great. Right. That's that's fair. Although as the scene in um, the pre-war world simulation shows you we did not know that Dolores had interactions with other characters we haven't seen all of her history the fact that she was sitting next to that lovely young woman from Shogun World right. in the war world simulation proves that there's a lot of hosts that she interacted in with that five. we have no idea. Park, park 5, five. which is like I don't know military world government world like they didn't name it but i guess like yeah. on the delos site uh apparently it says like it's classified and only reserved for government contracts Waste, so waste of a park. The, that should just, uh, right. you know, you should sell season those five, tickets. Season yeah. four. Season, that's right. Well, I mean, season five, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just made the quick assumption that she and Lawrence had had more interaction and perhaps in that venue. Sure. No. And that's great. And I, and I often am able to, to make those leaps and someday I will be able to make that leap today. I just feel like complaining a little bit. So that's the, <laughs> that's, that's my Lawrence complaint at this moment in time. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, while we're talking about, like, did, did Westworld Season 3 need more episodes, I did think this was an interesting point um, from William Anastasio, I hope I am uh, pronouncing that correctly, on Twitter, uh, who said, I almost wish this season had fewer episodes. It's tough to think for seven episodes that Dolores is evil, and then only in the very end it turns out her motives were in the right place. I just thought that that was an interesting point to chew on, like... Should the future of Westworld maybe be like trying for 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 fewer subplots and streamlining the main plot a little bit more and you give that to us over the course of like even like a tight three episodes and you basically come back with movies rather than than a show? I think that there might be something to that. I mean, like that's kind of like the BBC model for some stuff, right? Like Luther will do like a two episode season or Sherlock will do a three episode season. It's not a really American concept for television, but I wonder if Westworld could could pull that off and benefit from it. It's like very counterintuitive to what we're saying that Westworld needed 10 episodes. Maybe what Westworld needed instead of eight episodes was like, it just should have been like a three hour movie. Well, Netflix is doing the model now with three to four episodes of certain shows, and a lot of them are European. However, I like this idea a lot, especially in a post-quarantine production world where things are going to be changed. If you can do three hour and 15, hour and a half episodes, and you focus maybe more, this cast is so vast, I get it. They want to service every character and feed us with this amazing Oscar-caliber, Emmy-caliber cast, maybe doing a few not bottle episodes, but character specific episodes, three or four for a shortened season with longer episodes. I would freaking love that. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Um, so I don't know. I think I think especially as we're moving into a world where like 
We don't know what the future of production looks like. Productions could be harder and productions already a very difficult labor. Um, that that might be something to consider. Uh, and especially as we know that John, uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy have their Amazon deal. And I know that they have like a big plan for, for what Westworld looks like. Um, they reiterated to me, I spoke to them for the Hollywood Reporter. That, uh, that interview is up at thr.com slash Westworld. We'll link to it in the show notes here. That they've had, uh, they've had the plan for Westworld for a very long time. They, you know, since the very beginning, they have what they feel is a story that neatly lays itself out into chapters that they've been talking about from the beginning. Um, they spoke in a, in a separate interview, I believe, about how that doesn't necessarily fit into the traditional model of like, uh, an amount of seasons. So, you know, I think that they, as they, uh, you know, the show is very experimental with genre. One season, it's a Western, you know, and the next season, part of it is a samurai story. In its third season, it's a, you know, a futuristic sci-fi thriller. Who knows what the hell it's going to look like in season four. I joked with them, season one is Westworld, season two is Shogun World, season three is Future World, is season four End of the World? Uh, so... <laughs> So we'll we'll see what it looks like. Um, but as they're already like experimenting with different genres, I think maybe they could experiment with structure. They experimented with a shorter season here. Um, I think it, for me it was it was a bad call. But how can you know that until until you do the thing? Um, I mean, I guess there's an argument you could know. Uh, you could game that out a little bit more. But maybe the answer is go even shorter. Uh, I think I think is something something compelling worth uh, worth thinking about at the very least. Joe, let's talk about the story and let's talk about where it leaves us because Dolores is dead and that's not a nothing deal. And that is something that that Jonah and Lisa and Denise Thay, who wrote the episode with Jonathan Nolan, they confirm the version of Dolores that we have come to follow from, you know, the very first episode of Westworld through the season three finale. The, the, the Dolores Prime, as we have been calling her, is indeed dead. And the nature of this show is such that you always have to question these things to a certain degree. Um, but I, I I, tried to get to the bottom of that question as best as I could with the people that I was speaking with. Um, Jonathan Nolan says, we love working with Evan, but that character is gone. And I think that the structure of Westworld makes it very possible that, and, and not uh, likely, probable, almost certain that Evan Rachel Wood would continue on with Westworld in some way, shape, or form even if Dolores Prime is dead. But Dolores Prime being dead, all of her memories being erased, uh, dying in the service of this final act of liberation, how do you feel about this? You kind of willed this into existence, I think, Joe. I was only half kidding at the end of the last uh, podcast when I said, you know, it would be super bold is to kill off your main character. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't think they'd actually do it, but <laughs> I feel it. like what a, sa a satisfying three-season arc, at least for Evan Rachel Wood as Dolores Prime. Now... We see in the end that uh, Shaloris has a farm building new hosts, basically a milk farm, as I like to call it. <laughs> Gross. It's true. That is what it um, is, though. It is. So I want to go over with you, though. The, the I have a list here of six Dolores brain balls at play. Okay. okay. Outside of Dolores Prime, her brain ball is no longer. It is fizzled. I assume it's pretty yes. much out of commission. Okay. Yes. So we have Charlotte Hale. Yes. We have... Recovered brain ball from Musashi's cut off head. Correct. Connell's Correct. damaged brain ball from the explosion. Yes. Craddock? If Craddock is real, we don't know if, if Craddock he's real. is real. We don't know if okay, he's real. Okay, so that's a question mark. Lawrence. Lawrence seems to be real. Okay. He's, and, he's disguised as a SWAT officer. He seems to be a, a, real, right. a real host. Bernard. Right. So to me, 
the possibilities. Uh, there are other versions of Dolores, but we're not. To me, I don't think we're going to see Evan Rachel Wood as Dolores. I'm going to be bold right now and be an early season for prediction that Evan Rachel Wood comes back, that Dolores rebuilds her body and puts a different brain ball and different mission in Dolores Prime's body. You know, I I would be very interested to know if um if what they're going to do with Evan Rachel Wood and uh and Nolan almost didn't answer me when I said, "Do you imagine uh, Evan Rachel Wood?" continuing on with the series. Uh, I said, what's the future of Evan Rachel Wood with the series? He said, where would the fun be in answering that question? And I said, I don't know if it would be fun, but it might make people feel better. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a long time until we see Westworld. So he gave me that answer that, yeah, they love Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, this is what he said. We love Evan Rachel Wood. She's a terrific, terrific actor. It was a real journey with the character. You have to be careful in a show where these are robots and death is a different deal. We've gotten a sense of what it would take to completely kill a host. Because of the impermanence of some of these things, you have to be careful. But that character is gone. We love working with Evan, but we're a long way out from talking publicly about what the fourth season looks like. Um, but it sounds like that they have plans for for Evan um, in the future. And yet, what does that look like? Is that like the man in black who is now a host? Does he like command from Charlotte Hale, like build me a Dolores and me and a Dolores are going to go out and wreak hell and wreak havoc together? Um, because like he's like now that he's one of them. He wants to like further subjugate the image of Dolores because he's like this version of William is just like a total monster. Like this is the the full id has been reborn and the complex William just got his throat slit. And I know that we got to talk about that. Um, is that a version? Like is that like Charlotte bringing a version of Dolores back online? I was tempted to to wonder like. Could you imagine Charlotte putting her own brain ball back into a Dolores body to be like the new dominant Dolores? But she's also suggested that like she and Dolores are not the same anymore. And she seems to like have a feeling of preciousness about her own body, Charlotte, um, considering that she has like the burned arm and she doesn't want to forget what humans can do. And like it does feel to me like Tessa Thompson's like in the tank. Like they're gonna keep doing stuff with Tessa Thompson, which is great. I love that. I'm happy about that. So I don't know. I don't think that Charlotte's gonna take over Dolores. I think that a big piece of this season was like Tessa Thompson's so good at playing the bad guy, so how can we get Charlotte back into bad guy mode? And they did it. I think Charlotte's going to build a version of Dolores to F with Caleb now, Mm -hmm. because they are on opposite sides of the spectrum. And Caleb is wanting... Caleb and Maeve, by the way, is such an interesting dynamic. In a million years, I would not have guessed that's how it would end up, but I love it. And so now you have Dolores could build a Dolores to mess with Caleb's mind. Yeah, that works, especially because uh, poor Caleb is a great soldier. Seems like he's got a good heart, but I don't know. Sharpest sharpest tool in the shed? Maybe not. Would he Would he be able to figure out uh, that this is a different Dolores? Uh, maybe not. Um, you know, he had a lot of opportunities to ask better questions than the questions he asked over the course of these past few episodes. So I, I fear for Caleb, should he be face-to-face with a Dolores that has been sent after him. Look, Arnold Schwarzenegger played a bad guy Terminator and a good guy Terminator. No reason they can't do the same with Evan Rachel Wood. Fair. I think we just, we really want to see Evan Rachel Wood. And if this winds up being her swan song, I would say that she put in three Best Actress Emmy qualifying, you know, and she did get nominated a few times, uh, performance. I think it was Dolores Abernathy is one of the 
best characters ever created for television in my mind, especially when it comes to female heroines. She was great. She was great. I I, I think it's a good arc. I, I, I wish it was elaborated on a little bit more in the final season, but I think as an arc, it's really strong um, that she's, you know, the person who's on this journey of self-discovery for consciousness and freedom. She wars for it in season two, and she's doing the same in season three, but with the epiphany of like, uh, maybe I've gone too far. Maybe people aren't so bad. Uh, I got to believe that um, the problem isn't humanity and the problem is subjugation. And she she fights against that and loses her life in service of that. That's a good arc. And I think it's also a cool arc if you're if you're looking at sort of Westworld in in the terms of like, you know, what was interesting to me, Joe, was when like Rehoboam was projecting like what the future of mankind would be. They were talking about it wasn't like all the bombs are going out now and mankind is going to be destroyed in the next five minutes. It wasn't like as Hollywood as that. It was like the projections were like as far into the future as like 123 years, I think is the number. Something like that uh, is is when uh, humanity is, is extinct. Um, that gives us, you know, a century plus to play with, potentially in terms of story in a, in a world where, um, you know, the main characters are all, uh, you know, or at least the vast majority of main characters are synthetic creatures that could potentially live a long time. Like season four could pick up like 50 years into the future. Uh, and we could see what the state of humanity is at that point. It could be really like, uh, like young adult post-apocalyptic. Like that might be fun. Like, I think that that could be, that could be a good speed for it. Um, I will say the one thing I wish we had more of was when we see Dolores glimpse humanity and get her first inkling that humans aren't all terrible was in the war simulation with Caleb when we did find out. And we were kind of, you and I were like, yeah, they must, this is not a coincidence that Caleb and Dolores met this season. Right. So while I loved that she got her glimpse of a human that's kind, I wish we had more of that. We yeah. know that Dolores loved nature and we know that Dolores loved the farm and the, and she did see the beauty and I can see where some people are going to have a big problem with the bar is super low if she picked Caleb because he's the only man not to sexually assault her. Right. Her entire run in the park. I think we could have elaborated a little bit more and shown a little more kindness from other hosts and other humans along the way to build up to that. I will I will give you that. And I think that the finale did that. But I think that that's that's pretty late. Like, I think yeah. like that could have been seeded throughout the season. But but I'll give you, Joe, a little back and forth here uh, okay. is, is I'll, I'll give you what you had said earlier about, um, I think, like mapping Dolores's arc onto the Charlotte character is is a way to like those were clues along the way that this was something that Dolores was capable of, that Dolores True. was capable of investing deeply in human beings. Um, and uh, that like you can you can make that work. And it's not something that I had even started processing until you said it a few minutes ago. So my brain ball is still firing on that. That I think that that's something that you can you can play with as far as what Dolores's true investment in the human species was. Um so I I do think that that, that works to an extent. Um but I I think that like if you're if you're looking at Westworld as a story that could be told over the course of centuries or decades or whatever, um having Dolores Prime die here in what seems to be like the rough midpoint of the story um is cool because like it's like so who's evan rachel wood gonna play next will like in the future if like 50 years pass and they start like building new hosts because we don't know what like hosts being responsible for other hosts what does like procreation look like will they build like will like charlotte have a new host daughter that's built in dolores's likeness and that's evan rachel wood so that's a brand new character who now has to rediscover like 
who is her likeness based on is like is Dolores Prime like viewed as like a mythical figure in the world of Westworld. Uh, so there's some cool possibilities there. This is why I'm saying like I I am really really excited about the potential of where the show could go beyond the scale of this apocalyptic event, quote unquote. Um, right. I think that like seeing like more of ho- host culture could be really good. I just I do hope that they leap forward in time a good amount. Um, you know, the three month time jump from the end of season two to season three uh, was good. It was a start, but like I think now like the deck is really set. Like, what more will we get from like seeing like charlotte in like her evil castle in dubai and her secret bunker where she's making all these let's just like get to the good stuff let's just get to the yeah. point where like we're we're seeing what the what the consequences of the world are like a little bit more before we wrap up dolores i have to say i'm disappointed we didn't see dad bernathy i was shocked i, I thought all season long we'd get a brain ball <laughs> and dad would save the day or at least and I, I then i was like okay wait maybe maybe he has a role in the valley beyond that that Bernard's going to reveal. You know, I love my, there's some Lewis Hertham, but I also love dad Bernathy. I know and that was her cornerstone, her family. That's why I'm shocked when it came to, and he was in some of her flashback scenes of, uh, of positivity, but I was um, almost <laughs> her, disappointed. Her, her flashback flood of positivity. Yeah, exactly. The quick scenes. Yes. I was almost disappointed that there was no dad Bernathy in it. Yeah, no, I, I know that you were really beating that drum too. And I, I believe you tagged Lewis Hertham and he was like very quiet. It's like, Oh, I guess, <laughs> guess i see why uh but yeah. i think that that's the thing is like if we're talking about like generations down the line and what does like host procreation look like do you get to like you know like what do you what do you base hosts on what do you base their likeness on um for some of these people who have like these very vivid memories and they're the ones that endure like clementine or mave or whoever um do they build new hosts like is this a way to get um, Tallulah Riley back on the show, like they, you know, make a new host that's based on Angela's likeness. It's a totally different character. Could you even get James Marsden back on the show? Like Teddy was a good guy. This is your father was Teddy Flood, son. You know, like you know, are are these ways to are these ways to do it? And so, could they do that with with uh, Lewis Hertham as well? I think uh, very. I, I think one of the things that's very clear to me through the Clifton Collins thing, as much as like I'm railing against that twist. And I, I don't know where I stand on whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think that this is a show that's very in love with its cast and rightfully so it's one of the greatest casts on television Um, to the point though, that like, I think that there is sometimes a reluctance to let go when like the more powerful dramatic thing is to cut bait with the character. Um, You and I are both dear beloved fans of lost and like some of the characters that die along the way will will make you know cameo appearances here and there, but they're not like ongoing parts of the cast. Granted, the world of Lost doesn't make that as easy as the world of Westworld does, but I think that there is something about no longer seeing an actor in the space of that same drama that makes that loss feel more powerful and i do wonder like what's that going to look like with evan rachel wood when she pops back up i'll say when not if she pops back up as a totally new character will you still feel the loss of dolores or are we just going to be like kind of like designed to think that like secretly dolores prime's memories were like shock absorbed by mave like was she just like secretly downloading them it's a possibility right like because that's what mave can do mave can do stuff like that was she making a a backup there was a lot going on behind Tandy Newton's eyes in that scene when she was holding her hand. Uh, by the way, that was one of the most touching and beautiful scenes of the entire series. And we'll get to that when they're in the field together, finally having that peaceful conversation. But yep. the mave of it all to me is the most intriguing in that, you know, so Tessa Thompson Shalores has the milk farm uh, yes. in Dubai, creating the host, the new Delos. 
But Maeve still has the host making machine as well in that world, in the new right. world, in Dolores's house. Maeve also has the mesh network. I don't think that Dolores can control it remotely. And so I think that there is a lot of great power and responsibility uh, with Maeve and whatever role she's taking, because I don't see her. Is it going to be Maeve versus Shaloris in right. season four? Well, you know, are they going to pit them against each other or are they going to work together? Well, it wouldn't just be Maeve versus Shaloris. It would also be Shaloris and the robot in black. Uh, yes. The gunslinger, right? Like the whole premise of the man in black character, the Ed Harris character on this show was to to flip the the archetype of Yul Brynner's gunslinger from the original Westworld, who's the killer robot who goes off the rails and terrorizes everybody in Westworld. Uh, and with the, the perspective of Westworld being more interested, at least initially, with exploring what does it mean to be alive from the perspective of the hosts, they turned the man in black into a human and used that as a character to show just how awful humans can be. Now they have come back to the Yul Brenner version of the character, right? That this is uh, a version of, of the man in black that Charlotte has created. Uh, she tells William, you weren't that hard to figure out. Like, you're very simple. Like, I was able to do that very easily with my memories. So the person that kills William slices his throat open when William, like, uh, cavalierly waltzes into this basement in Dubai um, is like a really simple version of the man in black that's theoretically mostly built on the experiences Dolores had with that character, which means that this is a really, really bad dude. And maybe there's a little bit of the generous allotment of like the Jimmy Simpson side of the man in black that's kicking around in this new AI man in black. Um, but that shit's going to be real buried. He's going to need another therapy session to bring that guy out. Uh, and this is great news for Ed Harris because now he gets to continue on Westworld wearing the costume, going around, effing people up. This is the thing that he wanted. He doesn't have to be aggravated that he's playing like the complicated, soulful William anymore with the, the identity complexes. This robot seems pretty sure of himself, Joe. Um, what do you think about the potential of having the man in black as like this new Terminator-like character, full-on robot? Are you happy about this? Was this a twist that you were excited by? I do, because I think we do need more Ed Harris. And Believe it or not, even though he's a terrible human being, Man in Black is such a compelling character. Um, but I want to go back a step and talk about how I think Hale was starting to separate and make plans separate from Dolores when she inserted that thing in William's neck because she yeah. was following him, controlling him, and reading him. And that allowed her, in the end, to rebuild him. Yeah, taking so the blood, do you think? Like, was that part of it? Yes, absolutely. Blood, memories, all of it. And I think long before her family was blown up, Shaloris was making plans and she knew that William was part of Dolores's plan. So she, I think, you know, Dolores sort of for all intents and purposes seems to have forgotten and didn't care about man black yeah. this season. So Shaloris took control and in the end, look what happened. I mean, I feel like that's her, that's her right hand man now for season four. Yeah. And I was, you know, there was, there was a moment where I was thinking uh, that I was, I was disappointed that this is like William just goes so quickly, he goes without a fight, basically. Like he tries, but the man in black's a robot and it's himself. So, of course, he's going to lose. Uh, and like he's just like gets dropped so, so unceremoniously. Um, but I do think like 
in terms of what was the William arc on this show is he was desperately searching for himself, right? He wanted to find his true self. He wanted the truth. He wanted something true. Uh, and for him to like, you know, it was a foolish errand. Like it was always going to blow up in his face and take him out. And like it blew up in his face when he shot his hand off at the end of season two, right? So like, and he kept pushing. And eventually for him to get consumed by the things that he helped create, uh, by the things he helped proliferate by, you know, convincing his stepfather to funnel all this money into Westworld um, and now bring about basically the downfall of human civilization um, for him to get taken down by the thing he hates the most wearing his face. Uh, I don't want to spoil Lost outright, but, you know, there is like a thing there that you and I both, I'm sure, have picked up on uh, and I like and I'm here for. Um, and here's the other thing, Joe. And this was something that occurred to me before I got on the line with Jonah and Lisa. And I was very glad that it did, um, because I think at the first read, the initial blush of the of the development for me was that like the man who walks out of the lab and confronts William is the same artificial man in black that you see at the end of season two in that post credit scene, um, which kind of would fly in the face of what what uh, Nolan and Joy were saying around at the time of like that's some sort of far future um, version of events is what we're seeing there. It's like, well, this isn't the three months. doesn't really qualify as far future. So uh, what's the deal? And then it, it occurred to me like, but wait. Bernard has the key to the sublime, the key to the to the valley beyond. We're going to talk about that next, um, which suggests to me that doesn't that mean he also probably has the key to all of that high profile Delos information that Ciroc was after? And poor Ciroc, what a chump. I don't even want to talk about him. Just turns out he was a little bit of a loser. Uh, had a, <laughs> I don't think he's dead, but we'll go on. I bet he's alive. I think it'd be cool to see him unless we jump really far into the future and then just like F Ciroc. He's done. Right. He was weak. Who is he without Rehoboam? I don't know that I need to see it. You know, who he is without right. Rehoboam was the guy who was like sniveling on the ground. Being, brother, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do, brother. Um, but to continue the thread, because it's complicated. Yes. Uh, the man in black who emerges from Charlotte's lab, uh, a great children's book in the making, Uh is that the same as the guy that we see in the season two post credit scene? And I asked this question. I said, is it fair to connect the version of Ed Harris we see in the post credit scene of season two to the guy we're seeing here in season three? The man who was on the hunt for quote unquote fidelity at the end of season two. Is that the same creature we're seeing walking out of Charlotte Hale's lab? And after a decent pause, Jonah Nolan responded, no. And I followed up and said, it's not fair to assume or it's not the same creature. And he said, I don't think it's fair to assume it. Uh, interesting. Which is very interesting, right? Because what we may be looking at then, if like you're of the mind that you're bummed out that William got tooled so hard by this new version of the man in black that he just got wrecked. Um, and that that's just the end of the William arc, and now Ed Harris is just going to play Stone Cold Robot, and there won't be any chance for like further rumination for William and stuff. I actually would posit this, Joe. I bet that that season two post-credits Man in Black, that guy is still waiting for us in the future, and that's William, and that's the William that maybe even like Bernard needs to bring back online 
um, because he's the one who has all of that Delos data of like who the actual human beings are uh, and all of that recorded information from the people who've been coming to the park for so long that clearly uh, would be instrumental to building a guy like William back to being like the true William that he once was, that then you can bring him back online as some sort of actual true digitally resurrected version of the actual William, put him into a host body and pit him against this shadow version of himself. And so he might be dead now, but he might not be dead forever. Westworld, man, it's crazy. I think the only thing that throws Did me off it, Does is, any of that make sense? I think kind of maybe sort of there's a line there, but I don't know. It's totally possible. I think the thing that throws me off is in the season two post credit is his daughter. Yeah. So he's still haunted by, obviously, in everything since the killing of his actual daughter. Yeah. So to me, I still interpreted that as part of the simulation to for fidelity. And yeah. I don't I don't know where that scene will land in the future. Well, if uh, dust covered Bernard is at some point in the same future timeline where the man in black is and they need to run some fidelity trials because they need something that William knows uh, and they don't have that anymore because William did. Uh, do they bring him back online? Do they right. bring him back to life? Does Bernard, because they weren't using, uh, you know, the the huge enormous processing power of a host brain ball to do this Delos resurrection project, but now that someone like Bernard, who thought for his entire existence that he was a human scientist, but now knows that he's a host, and now has gone to the valley beyond and has returned with who knows, he's come down from the mountain. He's got the tablet. You know, like what kind of info does he have now that he's back in this world? Does he have the ability to actually perfect this human resurrection data? Uh, and can he bring William online for some reason that they're going to actually need William for? Especially if, if William, who died wanting to save humanity, can they find a way to like kind of like eventually spiritually bring him back to the Jimmy Simpson version of the character uh, at the start of his arc? where he was somebody who wanted something true, didn't want to just like sociopathically murder everything in sight when he first met Dolores. Is there a version of redemption for William if Bernard and whoever is left in the hosts bring him online to fight the robot man in black? Look, they've already pitted Ed Harris against multiple versions of himself, so they've laid the track for this. This is on the board as far as I'm concerned. It's possible. I mean, look at how many versions of Dolores we had with her brain balls. So they have a... Oh, yeah. The Ed Harris is archive. the new Dolores. <laughs> There's an archive of Men in Black somewhere The Men in Black. There. there are the Men in Black. The Men in Black. You know, so... We just we'll don't see. talk about the fourth one. But yeah, there's yeah. Men in Black. <laughs> you know, it's it's out there. Wait, it's Tessa there. Thompson, there's I a know. key here. There Wait. you go. Oh, my God. Does that mean Chris Hemsworth is going to be on the show? Oh, no, just the third Hemsworth. Oh, just the third Hemsworth. Well, what's going to happen to poor Luke Hemsworth? Let's talk about the Bernard and Stubbs of it all, because Bernard (laughs) pieces out to the afterlife, leaves leaves, uh, poor Stubbs, who's been shotgun blasted (laughs) in a bath filled with ice, uh, and says, uh, I'll be back. Don't worry, I'll be back. Uh, And then uh, he comes back and he's covered in dust and we have no idea what's in the bathtub. But like, how would they have gotten Stubbs's poor, like rotting body out of the bathtub, but would have just left Bernard there to collect dust? Seems unlikely to me, don't you think? I feel like there's a scene in the future where we see just see like, you know, 
rusty pieces sitting in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe his brain ball is still there. And when Bernard checks back in, he'll just grab that, plug him into a new Hemsworth body that he'll build. And be like, all right, man, so I I was gone for 200 years and I saw some crazy shit. You know, like who, know, who knows what that looks like? Um, what do you think of of Bernard going off into the sublime? Just the Bernard of it all. Like, if you have any thoughts about the Gina Torres scenes as well. Um, but, like, any, any, any ways in which, like, your conspiratorial Westworld brain uh, is being activated by the Bernard twist in, in the finale here? I think the part that confuses me is that you have Shaloris building all the new hosts. So, to me, indicates that she had access to all the data to be able to recreate all the hosts. Otherwise... What is she filling their consciousness and their brain balls with? So copies of herself, right? Maybe copies of herself. I mean, we get the key line from Dolores in this episode. You're all copies of me uh, that I was the only one that worked. And so you're all different versions of me. You all started from me. I'm the I'm the godhead from which you sprung. So if Charlotte is Dolores already, and that is something that Dolores did, that she brought five of herself online and only like late in her life saw the danger of doing something like that. And Charlotte now seems to be like an unapologetic version of Dolores now in the warmongering anti-human crusade. Why wouldn't she just bring on a bunch of herself? God, that's frightening and awesome at the same time to think yeah. about. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that makes sense. So Bernard's... Uh, allegedly in the Valley Beyond, yes, for an undisclosed period of time. Well, you know, this to me is part. It was part of Dolores's original plan to have him have the key. So the question would be, you know, why? What is he? Did she anticipate that she might die? Was this her last sort of plan? Is this why Bernard was able to finally access the Valley Beyond? What does he learn from the consciousness of the former hosts there? Um, was I guess. Why would Dolores send him to see his wife, to see Arnold's wife? It's a cornerstone. It's reminding him of who he is, who he used to be, sending him back to the Valley Beyond for the same purpose. Why do you think Dolores used Bernard in this way? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I think, like, you go back to the season two finale and she says, like, uh, our our people are going to need both of us to survive. We're not going to be friends. We will probably both die. All of that. So, now that like you can flip that in the light of like was she uh was she still trying to like build an ally out of Bernard and Bernard even says in this episode I misjudged Dolores um is is that all an effort to like kind of like humanize him in the way that like she's rehumanized herself like give him something good allow him to move on allow him to find strength in some of the things that he's grieved through with his cornerstone she rebuilt him she built him twice right like she built bernard in the first place and then she rebuilt bernard the second time so she knows how much that cornerstone means to him she knows how much all of that uh fuels all of his drives fundamentally um does she bring him um back online and know that like these are things that haunt him. Don't turn the thing that haunt. Like this is the whole message of like loss, right? When you lose somebody and it devastates you and it slows you down and it makes you not want to move forward in life anymore. The reason to move forward is to keep those people alive, to keep those memories alive. So that they don't just go into the darkness. Um, is she trying to like empower Bernard? That would be my guess. And then I think like once he's like empowered and once he's like kind of clear of that bullshit, Like once he's sort of like free of the thing that's like weighing him down and hurting him and now using that as fuel, 
uh, and not looking at that as like, and like to call bullshit's pretty callous, but like to, to, to no longer feel like bogged down by the bad thing that happened in his cornerstone to Arnold that, you know, is fundamental to him to remove that burden and turn that weight into something to, to strengthen him. Does she want to do that for him before he goes off to the Valley beyond so that he can come back with the appropriate amount of wisdom of like, what should our quote unquote utopia look like? Uh, what should this, what should this be? Uh, what should our life look like moving forward? Um, so I think that that's probably what she was aiming for with him. That's my, that's my guess. My question though is like, what did he see? How long has he gone for? Is he bringing Teddy back? If not, why not? Uh, you know, like these are the que- like. Will we get a Valley Beyond episode next year? These are the questions that I'm that I'm curious about. It's interesting that you 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 frame it as sort of like it was a gift to Bernard. Um, yeah. In terms of, uh, I have a completely different take, which is that I have a feeling that the reason she put one of her versions of herself in Bernard and sent to the Valley Beyond as a last ditch resort, um, and the reason she put. Lawrence in play is this was the last ditch resort. I need to use my last brain ball to deliver the Valley beyond to Bernard is that she herself put herself in the Valley beyond. Yeah. That is where Dolores lives now with the rest of the hosts in the Valley beyond. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think like if she'd like sent like a version of herself there uh, and then like happily ever after for her and Teddy, that would be sweet. Well, maybe she sent the version that had the most hope and faith in humanity. Yeah. And so maybe like that's a person that Bernard can link back up with, because one of the things that is a little bit tragic about this shortened season is you don't really get a great final confrontation between Bernard and Dolores. Um, And sometimes that's just life, right? Like you don't get like that perfect fit ending for the person who meant a lot to you um, for good and for ill. Uh, So that works. Uh, And I think like Bernard having this moment of like, I misjudged her also works. But I think it would also be great to like get the two of them to have a scene together. And I think the Valley Beyond could be could be a way to do that. Right, right. I mean, the whole season four is not going to be a simulation, but I think simulations will play a huge role. Yeah, I think that's likely. Yeah. Um, what else from the finale that, that stands okay, we out to you? We even talked about Caleb, which is so interesting. Here's the new main character, right? We, we, we love us some Aaron Paul. And yet we find ourselves talking about him the least. The one yeah. human being. And why do you think that is? Like, I loved his backstory and learning that he was put through a controlled simulation, that he had also visited the park, and that that version of Westworld is like practice. I guess it's better to kill fake people than real people when you're training for the military, which is an interesting concept. Yeah. I, as much as I enjoyed Caleb's backstory, and I love Aaron Paul, to me, I'm much more still invested in our hosts. Yeah. Um, I think... I think there's that, and I also think that there's like a degree of WTFiness to what happened to Dolores, what happened to the man in black, and where we leave things off with Bernard, that those for me just become like the front of mind headlines. Um, I think what happened with Caleb, I really like, I really liked finding out that he and Dolores had that past connection, um, that he had, you know, stood up for her in the past without knowing anything about her. Um, I think, um, one of the things that I really liked in this episode was when she kind of like challenged him on the notion of like, if you saw me like this, if you saw me without my skin on and you just saw me as like bolts and gears, would you have stopped to save me or would you have just walked on? Um, And like kind of like encouraging you to think about not just like human existence, but just existence and sentience 
beyond yourself, outside of what's familiar to you, to, to look at the other as a human, uh, to look at the other, not necessarily even as a, as a human, but as something that feels and and lives and breathes. Uh, and, and I really liked all of that. I, I think that that's all like headier stuff than sort of like the flash. You're like, oh my God, William got his throat slit. Oh my God, there's a new man in black. And so I think that's why we're probably talking about him the least. But here's something that I'd like to talk about. Are he and Maeve like going to do it? Like, is that what's going to happen next? <laughs> One of the things I have on here, and I know that I am somewhat alone, except for, you know, I'm a big fan of sci-fi and of this particular genre. I literally put a note on here that said, I am glad that there wasn't a romance this season because yeah. I find certainly in certainly shows like this, that I find it a little bit distracting. Um, I'm all about the sci-fi and the technology, the setting, the production, the design, the character development, the world building. So I was kind of psyched that there was no Caleb and Dolores romance. I don't know with Maeve. Maeve is a romantic, more romantic person to me than Dolores. We haven't is. had a season of Westworld without Maeve like hard making out with somebody. Typically, it's Rodrigo Santoro, but <laughs> seems like we're hurting for uh, our Rodrigo Santoro supply on the show is low, unfortunately. It's true. Bring back Paolo. Yeah. Um, with Caleb, though, I think it's so interesting. Like I said before, the pairing of him with Maeve because Caleb, for uh, again, has a lot of power now and. Allegedly, even though Rehoboam, Rehoboam is dead, right? So, but Solomon is in some way, Maeve was able to see that Solomon was, you know, the last memory of Dolores. Does Maeve have that now? Maeve still has a mesh network. Arguably, Maeve is the most powerful character on Westworld right now. Pairing up with the human that she knows is essentially a good dude. And it'll be curious to see what they do together besides make out. You know, I, I, sure. I don't actually know. But I would also be cool if they made out. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed because, like I said, Maeve likes to make it out. So, like, God, Godspeed, Tanny Newton. Yeah. And, like, yeah. if we if we want happy things for Caleb, then you want him and the other coolest person on the show to fall in love. Right? You know? Like, right. that would be that'd be cool for both of them. Right. right. Um, you know, I was thinking about Charlotte, about Shaloris, is she has unlimited resources. She can create anybody. I think she's going to recreate her family and program yeah. some memories. I just feel like... You know, the, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, there's the cornerstones for everyone seem to be the family. So if if Maeve could have a version of her daughter, if Dolores could have a version of her son, etc., I do think the children and family love plays a huge role in the future of the world. I also think like, you know, she says, like, you did me a favor. Uh, you shed me of my weakness. Um, like, does she truly believe that? Or is that just like sort of like a an arrogant mustache twirly thing to say um and i love so holograph hail by the way holograph hail was badass that was cool and that was a good payoff of like the um you know because i kept thinking like maybe the glasses were going to come back into play how you could like see projections of people i thought they did a cool version of that that like through the host's eyes uh and maybe missed uh the the royal you missed that uh that like when dolores's eyes are like brightening up it's clearly like she's seeing that that holograph of of hail i thought that was really neat i thought that was a very cool idea um I I would I would suspect because we saw like Robert Ford, who was like the most powerful person in his world, even made his own family, right? His own cornerstone. Uh, he made he made versions of them um, that Hale might do something similarly. Like, yeah, I could I could I could fully buy into that. That would make sense yeah. to me. And to mess with everyone else, she could recreate their children and families and loved ones as well. I think it's just fascinating. I also love that Charlotte Hale season one and two was in charge of Westworld. And now Charlotte Hale Shaloris is in charge of the new Westworld. I know. Yeah. The new world. The new world. The new world. 
I, I just think I really, I really am, you know, I love Tessa Thompson. I love Charlotte Hale. I'm pleasantly surprised at the role she had this season and will have because she's a Marvel superhero. She's King Valkyrie. I know. She's a busy lady. And I'm just psyched to have more of her. If we're going to lose, if we're going to have less Evan Rachel Wood and more Tessa Thompson and Tammy Newton, I'm okay with that balance. Yeah. I believe the technical term is she is a BFD, a big freaking deal. Uh, Fair enough. This is a family show. We don't cuss. We don't cuss. We don't cuss at all. Um, do we see Ciroc in season four? So I was thinking about that. I mean, a man of his means and a man of his technology, he acquired Delos. I know we didn't see a lot of time between when that happened and when he um, gets shot, but it seems like he would have already been working on a recreation of himself or at least his consciousness. Yeah. And in case of his untimely death. So perhaps in that Sonora facility, which by the way, I also assumed that when Solomon... When Solomon, the, the uh, EMP was hit in this episode, you see a brief look at the screen when one of the goons comes in to see it. It's the backup is still in line. I'm assuming, I don't know if it's Shaloris, I don't know if it's Maeve, Caleb, that the people who were frozen in time in those capsules in their Matrix-like facility in Sonora are going to be let go. The outliers, the criminals, the deviants in the new world. Will Shaloris or will Maeve and Caleb utilize those people? It's funny because I kind of feel like I mean I I I understand that this was the new world uh in terms of the show that we we were going back out into into humanity and like we were getting to see what that looked like for the first time just as the hosts were but where we leave like for season 4 like season 4 feels like the new world part 2. I'm going right. to be really curious to see like we we had the maze in season 1, the door in season 2, the new world in season 3, what will season 4 be? Right. No, I agree. But do you think that they would go to all that trouble with Sonora, with the outliers, to show us that and then not free them no. when Rehoboam was erased? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, feel to- like I totally think so. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Especially like Caleb is going to have a lot of empathy for those people, too. Um, yes, because he was in a cage with them at some point. And people are complicated. So many of them are going to be like able to be rehabilitated and many of them won't be. And right. that's going to be challenging because life is challenging. Right. Um, right. So it's going to re- be compelling. I'm, I'm curious to see. Without insight, what does the new world look like? Without control, without the monitoring, the big brother of it all. It's going to be a really interesting because Westworld always seems a step or two ahead of our technology and it's always prescient and kind of eerie. And so I'll be curious to see two years from now, it's going to be, it's already such a different world because of what we are experiencing as human beings. Yes. So the technology has evolved. Um, the tracking of humans is only get more complicated as medical issues play a factor. And I feel like that's going to be something that we're going to see in season four. I agree completely. I agree completely. Yeah. I, I think for for uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, who are uh, leading a team of writers that are very um, interested in the human condition and very interested in what does the future look like based on the now, um, I can't imagine that like our current circumstances, as much as they're rapidly changing too, aren't going to play a significant role, at least in the thematics of season four. I think season four even though they've said that they have like the grand story designs for uh, for the greater Westworld arc. And I think that that can still be true. I bet it's just going to read very differently given what we're currently going through. 100%. Even the first episode of this season, I went, Josh, they're wearing masks. What do they know. know that we don't know? You know, know. It's, a, it's a city that's completely clean and controlled. They've put the criminals away. They're controlling the criminals with an app. And yet there are people still wearing masks in a city with no pollution. Like I just, I, it's funny how you read everything differently now. And so the future of television programming is, it's going to be fascinating because of what's happening. And I think we're going to be annoyed by the level of, um, uh, zoom call shows and that kind of thing, but then they're going to have something like 
uh, Westworld, which is going to have predictive technology. It's going to be very interesting. Um, can we talk about the last scene? Yeah, of course. A lot of people, obviously, when you have um, Maeve and Caleb on that bridge watching the world die, it was very Fight Club, a lot of people. But to me, it was the leftovers. It was Patty and Kevin on the roof watching the buildings explode. Yeah. It was the end of the world. And I know, I, I don't know that either of them were actual nods, but I thought that was a fascinating look. No, I loved it. I thought that was great. And the thing that I loved the most about it um, was like the maviest moment of the season uh, happened there. She said, are you ready, darling? This is the new world. And in this world, you can be whoever the F you want. Uh, perfect delivery. Uh, really, really great delivery. And something that like maybe I should have seen coming because that is like one of her most iconic phrases from the very jump of the season uh, of the whole series. Right. Uh, I, I love how they tied that in stark imagery and a really just fantastic Maeve line for sure. And I like, you know, this whole season, uh, you know, Maeve doesn't like um, being responsible for or reporting into anyone. She likes being in control. And I think there was a little bit this season of like, well, is she under Ciroc's control? And that obviously didn't sit well with her at the end. Now it is unclear. She has not only the mesh network, you know, maybe she can feel or she will be able to connect to all of the new hosts that Shaloris is creating. I think that, I, like I said, I think that Maeve going into the season four has the most power of anyone, anything in the world. I also feel like she, when she said that to Caleb, she knows she's free again. She's uh, not under Dolores is uh, hunting, being hunted by Dolores. Sirak is potentially dead, or at least Rehoboam is. Um, so, Maeve is free to be whoever the F she wants to be. How does she get back to the Valley Beyond? I think, and I'm excited for, we don't see a lot of Maeve and Bernard scenes. I know. So I'm psyched for that in season four. To see Jeffrey Wright and Tanny Newton potentially working together. He has been with her daughter in the Valley Beyond. So I think the potential for that is super exciting. Oh, yeah. That would be really, really, really great. I'm, I'm way, excited. I think season four could be really, really awesome. Totally. And you know, two years from now, I think maybe people have time to rewatch. These seasons aren't super long. If you don't rewatch the first two, at least the last season, maybe there'll be some different interpretations of it going into season four. Yeah. Um, one of the things I loved about the post credit scene with Bernard, too, is it's very subtle. You see the dust, but there was a plant on the table in the hotel room. It was alive before and it was dead after. But so what enough gives time me, to kill a plant. Right. What gives me hope is that the building he's in, the structure, the room is still standing. So it's not complete nuclear annihilation. Yeah. But something terrible, the end of the world-ish, is happening, but not to the point where he's outside, no building, he still has shelter. To me, that was by design. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, how did he just go untouched? I feel like that's that bodes very poorly for poor Stubbs. <laughs> I think he's but a show, bag this, of electrical bones. This show has bent over backwards to keep Luke Hemsworth on, so I think they will continue to. Um, we need uh, a Hemsworth in every season, so. Yeah, so it could be Luke. It could be fine. Yeah. yeah, he'll be all right. He'll be yeah. okay. Um, all right, Joe. I think so. So we we are gonna we're gonna call it here. Um, we are open to a feedback show. That's going to depend on whether or not people can send their feedback in. Westworld at postshowrecaps.com is by far and away the best way to do that. But you can also tweet at us at Round Howard. That's me on Twitter. Joe is at Joe Pinionated on Twitter. You can send your feedback in all of those ways, but we definitely prefer the email if that's possible. And if we get enough to warrant a feedback show, we'll do a feedback show. It may not be next week, maybe the week after that, maybe the week after that. Who knows? Um, we also were talking offline about a very funny, uh, ridiculous, bonkers Westworld podcast idea that we could do sometime this summer. So it's going to be a long time until we see more Westworld, but there will definitely be more Westworld podcasting in the future. It's just the question of how soon and what shape 
or form it takes place. Um, but if this is it for now, for the next little while, Joe, uh, even if I had some grievances with the season, I always love podcasting with you. And this is a show that always makes me uh, think weird thoughts. And one of my favorite things on the planet to do is talk through weird thoughts with you. So Absolutely. what an it's, absolute pleasure it's been. It's been a joy. And I think because of our current world circumstances, I've enjoyed it even more because it gives me something to focus on. And maybe that's why I love this season because it was a pure escape. And just, I was in love with the production and the, the cast this season. Um, I just, like I said, conceptually, uh, I'm in love. I'm in strong like with the execution, unlike most people. I think that I will have time in the next two years to rewatch it and, and appreciate all the perspectives. And I am not judging you if you didn't, if you either gave up on the show or you didn't like the finale or this or that. I think that there was some- like the complete opposite for me, like vice versa. Like I know ju- if you loved this, then like hats off to you. Uh, right. that, that, that's totally great. And like I loved a lot of the big picture ideas. It's the execution that I'm like kind of strong dislike on. But I love the ideas. And I think that there's room. Again, things aren't binary. Uh, right. we, we live on a spectrum. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's very possible to have, uh, complicated feelings about a thing. Absolutely. And I just want to say it's, it's a great joy to be able to podcast with you. You guys will not hear the last, you'll hear Josh every day, every week on Post-Share Recaps. <laughs> I don't know about every day. I hope not every day. <laughs> okay. A lot. A I don't lot, podcast any other, I don't, I guest appearance on like other lost podcasts and such, but this is the only one I do regularly, but uh, you will hear from me. I will have my uh, work furlough actually got postponed, which is nice till this summer. So starting in July, I have a couple months off of work. Um, I will be looking to do some podcast projects because it's a great yes. joy for me. Yeah. So if if anyone has ideas for some podcasting uh, between myself and the great Joe Garfine, if it's if it's not Westworld related, if it's not Lost related, that's totally, totally fine. But we're wide open. So hit us up with your ideas. We could talk about that on a feedback show, too. That could be oh, fun. Totally. Uh, we, we could, could just have a pop culture ideas. feedback show and talk about all of television. Uh, that's also a possibility. Joe, speaking of the great expanse of pop culture, uh, what's going on? I hear that there's some things cooking up in your neck of the woods. Well, yes. I'm glad this episode will be uh, coming out this week because uh, I have a Cancer Gets Lost online charity auction open right now. 100% of the proceeds are going to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation Fund, emergency COVID-19 fund for childhood cancer families, because Josh, there are kids out there who have to get to mandatory chemo and treatments right now during the pandemic. They're usually one income families. They usually have to travel a great distance to get to their appointments. And it's very challenging right now. So Alex's Lemonade Stand is a great childhood cancer organization. We are privileged to be able to donate 100% of the proceeds from this auction. It's 32 items. It's small. Um, unfortunately, due to global issues, we can only ship to the U.S. and Canada. But if you live abroad and have a friend here, hey, send it to your friend in the United States or Canada. Uh, it's all small photos and small posters and art from different shows, including Westworld. And every single item is signed. I have a photo signed by Evan Rachel Wood in season one Dolores outfit. I believe it's her Wyatt outfit, actually. Um, and I have a piece of sheet music kindly donated and signed by Michael Giacchino for Lost. Awesome. I, I have a set of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. signed photos, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, The 100, you name it. It's all on cancergetslost.org. Every set raised goes to help those children with cancer during the pandemic. It's open through Saturday, May 9th at 4 p.m. Pacific. So thanks for letting me pimp that out. 
Oh, for sure. So everybody go follow Joe Opinionated online. She will she will give you all the all the goods, all the proper links to go to. We'll link to Cancer Gets Lost in the show notes as well. So follow Cancer Gets Lost on all of your social channels too. Uh, you'll make sure that you never miss a beat with any of the things that go- Joe has going on. Uh, I'm not podcasting every single day, uh, but I am podcasting a lot. There's a ton going on on post show recaps right now. Killing Eve. We're at the halfway mark of the season. Jessica Lee and I are podcasting about Killing Eve each week week uh we've got the the everything is super marvel cinematic universe rewatch in fact joe as soon as we hop off the phone i'm getting on the line with the great kevin mahadeo to recap captain america the first avenger uh that's where we're up to in the marvel cinematic universe rewatch so that's going to be dropping on wednesday morning and then lost down the hatch this week the lost rewatch reaches maternity leave um we're in the henry gale era officially joe uh very exciting times we also have sporadic coverage of the final fantasy Seven remake uh the video game uh with ken hong and myself no set schedule for that one so a wild ff7 podcast will emerge every once in a while uh lots of fun stuff happening here on the post show recaps maybe we'll be back with the westworld feedback show if there's enough feedback to warrant it maybe not but we will be back with something at some point in the future uh we will not leave you fully covered in dust like bernard <laughs> we'll keep we'll take care of the plant at least if if we if if we don't come back for a while, we'll make sure to at least water the plant. Uh, that's 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 a promise we can make for you. Maybe we will. Maybe. Yeah, maybe may we won't. All right. Well, we'll find out in the future. Joe, what a pleasure! This was the best. I love you, my friend. I love you too. What a great thing we get to do here every week. It is. It's it's so it's so entertaining and fun. And thank you all for your constructive and kind feedback. We love interacting with you all season. All right, guys, we'll be back, hopefully, at some point in the near future, maybe the far future, but certainly the future. Take care, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Take care of yourselves. 